We're talking culture, relationships, and mentorships, and why you've got to be invested in all three on today's brand new episode. Let's go. All right, Competitor Nation, welcome back to the Compete Everyday Podcast. We're talking today with my man, Clint Pulver, about winning cultures and what makes people want to stay in organizations. And why does that matter to you as a leader? Because here in this conversation, Clint shares some key takeaways about what you can do in your role as a leader to help people stay within an organization, to grow within an organization, to set themselves up for success. That's our job as leaders is to empower and build other leaders. And so today's conversation is incredibly important for your professional career and perhaps will shift your perspective just a little bit on the things you look for in team members, on the people that you're pouring into on a daily basis, and and honestly, the people you're pouring into in life. And so Clint and I not only talk career, we talk cultures, we talk why people stay at certain places, but we talk about the importance of relationships and mentors in life. And Clint shares a really cool story about how his mentor relationships really catapulted him down this path. So you're going to get a ton of amazing value out of today's conversation. If you didn't catch Monday's big announcement, we just dropped what I think is our best release of the year. I know it's March, but man, it's all around your work ethic. The new shirt, luck. Boldly prints on the front, hard work is my luck. Because we know luck happens. But banking on luck is a fool's errand. Wishing that you're going to win the lottery and that's your retirement plan, that's not a good retirement plan. What you need to be putting your your hope and your fear, or your hope and your dreams and everything into is your work ethic and building something and creating something and getting after something. And then when you fail and you fall short, you get up and do it again. Because if you have this relentless work ethic, you're going to put yourself in great positions where opportunities come along. And not only will those opportunities come along more frequently because you're doing the work, but you're going to be in a position to capitalize on them. Because there's people all around you who have not done the work, who get an opportunity and then they fail to capitalize on it because they haven't done the work prior. They don't have the work ethic. They don't have the drive. And so they just watch that opportunity slip through their grasp like trying to catch water. But not you, not competitors. And so if you're someone driven to build and just grow and go and have this drive, this relentless work ethic drive, get on CompeteEveryday.com. Use the code podcast for 15% off. Grab your new shirt, Luck. Because if you're like me, you're counting on your work ethic instead of a four-leaf clover this year. To get in touch with the show, shoot me an email to podcast at competeeveryday.com. But enough about me, enough about new releases. You are here to learn why some people love working at places and what you can do as a leader to empower, to build your team, to add to your winning culture, and to build your winning life. So let's get rolling with my man, Clint Pulver. Welcome to the Compete Everyday Podcast. Jake, what's up, man? Thanks for having me on the show. 
Yeah, looking forward to today's conversation. We've been connected, man, through some circles in the speaker circuit. We have a ton of mutual friends uh, that share the stages with us, or in this case now, virtual stages with us. Uh, and a lot of the stuff that you talk about and, and just what you bring to your craft uh, really inspires me. And, and I love getting to watch it. Uh, I think your demo videos and, and speaker reels are easily some of the best I've ever seen. And so uh, you've set a very high bar with your work, which is why I'm excited for the conversation today for our listeners, because what you do is around how we work, how we show up, what our office, our culture is like. Uh, and we've started to talk a lot more about culture and, and how we influence it as leaders. And so I think today's conversation is really pertinent to where our listeners are in their professional career and, and really what kind of impact they can make. Um, and so as we kick off, one thing I'm, I'm kind of intrigued by that I think would help tee everything up well is the Undercover Millennial Program. Tell us how this came about, what started the whole process and really where it's going and what it's been used for. Yeah, it's a great question. So kind of think Undercover Boss without the makeup. Uh, I, I would go into an organization as the Undercover Millennial. I am a millennial. And the cool part about this is the way that we did it, we've got the most real and authentic data on how great managers, great leaders were creating organizations that people never wanted to leave because the information was gathered, not through a survey. It wasn't done through like a one-on-one -on -one meeting or, you know, fill out this entry point on what you feel like about your manager. It was real. It was honest. And it was done in a way that employees didn't know that their stories were being told. Because they're going to be a lot more honest because if the, the boss yeah. sends out a survey, you're like, I'm not putting my name on that. Totally, man. And I would walk in just like how I look right now. I got backwards hat on, Nikes, joggers. I, I just it's literally somebody off the street. And I'd walk into an organization and I would say, hey, I'm just looking for a job. I'm just thinking about applying here for, you know, some things about the company. I'm just looking for work. You know, would you recommend it? I'd love to know what the management's like. And dude, it, they get quiet. It literally feels like an illegal drug exchange. <laughs> and then they tell me everything, everything from, from what's working, what's not working, the good, the bad. And, uh, and it's real. And then I would go to the next employee and the next employee. And we've done that for five years now, man. And it's been 181 companies that we've worked with and over 10,000 employees that I have interviewed undercover. Are you, are you worried at some point you're going to be too famous to be able to sneak in and do this? Dude, you know what? Here's the thing. Corona and COVID has been the blessing of a lifetime, dude. To be able to go in with a mask has been yeah. extremely helpful. Uh, it, I'm, not, I'm not famous. I'm not a celebrity in any sense of the word. But there has been a time or two in the research when people are like, Clint, what's up? And I'm like, dang it. And it, it kind of runs the whole thing. But what, what was the idea behind it? Like, what inspired you to be like, I, I want to help companies, but like, I need to... Yeah. Try this. So five years ago, I was in a, a mentorship mastermind group and we all flew to New York City and we were meeting with CEOs, other big executive business gurus. And this one dude, he, he owned a sporting goods store in, in Manhattan, downtown, beautiful store. And we're talking to him about his business. And he's like, yeah, man, we've had to adapt our old business mentality to meet the new market demands. And he had this thick New York accent. And I'll never forget. He said, you got to adapt or you're going to die. You got to adapt or you're going to die. And I was, I agreed with him, right? You've got to adapt in business. But then I asked him, we just, in that conversation, I said, what about your management style? Have you changed how you manage your employees today versus say how you managed 20 years ago? And he answered back and he said, no, no. 
the way I manage today is the same way I managed 20 years ago. And he's like, and I get results. I was like, wow, another like fairly profound statement. And we're in the store, right? And I look around and all of his employees are my age or younger. And I just thought, I, it was honestly just a moment of curiosity where I said, I wonder if they think the same thing. I wonder if the employees would have the same marvelous story, business success story as the CEO does. And so we ended the conversation. We had 35 minutes to kill till we needed to be to the next place. The guy gave us like 60% off. He's like, go buy swag, you know, get out of here. And I didn't want any swag. We had time to kill. So I walked up to the first employee that I saw. And again, looked like how I did today, just a customer. And I just, I walked up to him and I said, what's it like to work here? I'm just curious. And dude, in the, in the 35 minutes that I had, I interviewed six of his employees. And at the end of those conversations, five out of the six of his team members said they would not be working for this dude and his store in less than three and a half months. Wow. Dude, everybody was dissatisfied, not happy, felt like they were a cog in the wheel. And dude, the, the differences of perspectives. And that's when I thought, why, why did they tell me? Well, it was because I was another millennial, right? There was no, I'm not a manager. There's no loss for them. There's no, they're just, they were just being honest. And then, and then second, I mean, I kept thinking, what if the CEO could actually hear this? What if he could know what his people were really thinking? And that was the moment that started my company. Well, and, and I find that fascinating for a few angles is that there's a lot of times disconnect between the leaders and those who they lead or the managers and those who they manage, I should say. And the, the one phrase that really stuck out about what you just said, is like, oh, I've done it always this way. I'd managed the same way 20 years ago as I do now, which is the, one of the most dangerous things you can yeah. say about any, I mean, not even just a business, but a life relationship. If you think about yeah. when you met a spouse, how you acted dating, like you still want same aspects of that, but the longer you get to know them, the more you should be better about how you communicate with them, interact with them. Like it's an ever evolving process. So willing to change. Yes. yes. If you're not willing to change, if you want everyone to adapt around you, it's not going to work too well. And, and that's even, you know, in the biggest sports stories, we laughed about the Jordan documentary, the last dance, a couple episodes back, like Jordan changed how he played and how he practiced and took his level up before expecting more of everyone else. He kind of set that bar and said, here's what I need to change about me before I expect everyone else to. So I want to make sure kind of our listeners hammer home, like there's a big importance thing. If you're stuck in the always doing it this way, it's always this way. I'm never going to look to change and evolve. That can be a warning sign. So that's kickstarted your company. So we flash forward now so what you do, you go around, you talk about it. You've got this awesome new book. I love it here uh, about how great leaders can create organizations that people never want to leave. Uh, because the biggest thing I hear when I go speak at companies is like, man, we want to make this investment in our team. We want to train them. We want to prepare them. Yeah. But what if we spend all this money and they leave? Yeah. Like yeah. that's always the biggest fear. And, and then it's the, the famous, I guess it's Steve Jobs line. It's like, what if you don't and they stay? Yeah, exactly. That's terrifying. Yeah. So yes, talk yes, stay stay nation is what we call it, you know, when employees yes. stay just burnt out and they're they're in the organization, but they're not into the organization. And that's yeah. just as much as if they left. It is. And in probably a lot of ways more so because you're losing the opportunity to grow the company by keeping them there. So what let's talk about that just a little bit in terms of what are some of the key things you see in, in organizations where 
people kind of are lifers, but not lifers in a bad sense where like, I just can't find anything else. I don't, I don't have anywhere else to go, but like lifers that are like, I love it here. Yeah, dude. So eh, number one is always management. And I know it's somewhat cliche, but you as a manager, you are the number one reason why people stay. You are also the number one reason why people leave. And in every organization, Jake, we found four types of managers. There's four in every organization. In all of my research, there was never not these four that existed. We could trace back based off of who the manager was and the things that they did or did not do, the result that that would create in the culture of their employees. So there's two variables that we would always look at. Number one, the standards of the manager, like your ability to do a job. We've still got to grow, right? We've got sales quotas. We've got responsibilities. I have expectations. It's number one. And then number two was their ability to connect, to empathize. Because every employee is asking the question of their boss, let me know when it gets to the part about me. And some people hear that and they go, well, those entitled little shining stars in my life, right? Like, let me know. But yeah. it's not about entitlement. It's about good business. It's about bringing humanity into the workplace. And so those two variables, standards and connection, we could always trace back uh, to if an employee was satisfied or dissatisfied with their manager, it was because of those two factors. So what are the four managers? Number one was the removed manager. Number two was the buddy manager. Number three was the controller. And then number four was the mentor manager. Well, and that mentor piece, I obviously uh, know why you tiered it that way intentionally in terms of how you introduced them. Those are the rare finds though, right? Yeah. Th those, that was the magic. Do when it would trend through an organization and you had employees going, man, I love it here. I love who I work for. I love my manager, Susie. You got to meet Susie. Susie had the characteristics of a mentor. Now there's a reason why we call them the mentor manager because they were equally high on their standards as much as they were equally high on their ability to connect. So what did this create in the employees? Respect. They weren't always liked, but they were respected. Which is way more important than always being liked. Yeah, man. Because here's the thing, like no significant loyalty, I believe ever happens without significant connection, but they also had the ability to perform, right? To grow a business. You're in the world of business. We have expectations and, and duties that are associated with that. Now, the, there's the reason, though, we called it the mentor manager, because mentorship was really cool to see, Jake, because it had to be earned. Like, it wasn't leadership. They weren't great leaders, necessarily. They weren't good managers, necessarily. They were incredible mentors. If you look at any, like, awesome story, right, you've got the hero of the story, and then who always appears? The mentor. Yep. Luke Skywalker had Yoda. Obi Wan. Yeah, dude. Uh, oh, Fred, yeah, Obi Wan. And, yeah. Yeah, dude. Frodo had Gandalf. Yep. Uh, Rocky. Rocky had Mick. Yep. Katniss Everdeen had Hamish, right? These and great mentors. This ties into as well. Sorry to jump in. This, yeah. uh, all I'm seeing in my head as well is, is Donald Miller's story brand in a mentor type managerial relationship versus marketing branding. Totally, dude. Absolutely. Like the like what he identifies in the power of story is the same thing we identify in the power of management. Because what you're doing as a manager every day when people come to work, they're living a part of their story. Yep. And when you become that mentor manager, 
dude, and it was cool because it had to be earned. You cannot become a mentor until the mentee invites you into their heart. That was what was so rad about it, right? You could have the title of a, of a you know, supervisor, a director, but your people would decide if you were a mentor. And it was based off of five, five characteristics. And, and these leaders had it. Um, number one was, was, go ahead, Jake. Go ahead. No, I was going to say before, before you dove into that, and, and maybe this is where your answer is going. One of the things you said that I'm interested by that I don't know if our listeners caught was you said you had these great mentors were the reasons people stayed. Yes. Some weren't great leaders or great managers, but they were amazing mentors. Yes. When you are looking at that kind of, where do you see the, the differences in those three, just to help clarify, because a lot of people blend manager and leader together, which is not the case. Yeah, and they're yeah. thinking, well, if, if somebody doesn't manage well, or they're not a good leader, or they're not a great leader, why would we keep them even if they are a mentor? Yeah, dude. Yeah. For, for retention purposes and to build loyalty, which always increases engagement, right? Because every employee is asking, let me know when it gets to the part about me. Mentors have the beautiful ability to connect people to their dreams. And you need that in the workplace in this day and age, yep. because that's what empowers people. That's what gets to the part about them. And that's what increases productivity, loyalty, retention. That's what empowers your workforce. So uh, a leader, right? When I think about traditional leadership, they are the people lead. They're the visionary. They have the control of the direction where the ship is heading. I'm going to lead you there. And they have followers. That to me, that's leadership, like your traditional leader. Now, a manager is all about development, okay? The infrastructure. We saw this, we'd call them the controlling manager. They were number four. The people that are, it's about productivity. It's about moving the business. How do we move the needle? How do we hit quota? How do we develop you? How do we increase productivity? But the mentor was not about that. The mentor was about the person. How do I walk the path with you? How do I advocate? How do I become an advocate, not just a developer? And to people, to an employee, that was the number one most important thing. Yes, you need good leadership. Yes, you need good management. But when you could find an individual that had a hybrid of all three, but through mainly, honestly, through the, the lens of the employee, you became that mentor role. That's what increased retention. That's what people talked about. No, nobody said, you know, I, I love my company because our freaking CEO rocks. You know, he's just really cool. And, you know, he's got, we're, we're moving in a good direction. That's not who they talked about. They talked about the individual manager who made moments in their lives, who advocated and helped them get where they wanted to go. They communicated their worth, their potential, the ability to, 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 to thrive at work, not just survive. That so let me, let, let me ask you about that because in your book, I know you, you go into this, you dive into not only a mentor manager, the five C's of mentorship, you, you talk about the different pieces between advocating and developing for those listening, because I know we have business owners here on the show where we have executives that are the VPs and they're top and they have tears underneath them. And they're thinking, man, this sounds awesome, but there's one of me and there's 25 to 40 people underneath me. I can't connect with all of them all the way down. How do I get the right type or how do I identify the characteristics of people that I can put into these positions when I, when I'm interviewing? Because normally it's like, here's your resume, here's your skill set, go. <laughs> yeah. So one thing that we learned, Jake, is that great mentors were always being mentored. 
So whether that's like a, a, a management development program, like it's training, because again, the five characteristics, the five C's, it's confidence, credibility, competence, the ability to have candid conversations, and then four, the ability, or five, the ability to care. Dude, if I was a CEO or an executive of a large company, I would be training my managers on how to do that better. Because again, mentorship must be earned. I am not going to mentor with somebody. I'm not going to go and proclaim them to be a mentor if they're not confident, if they don't have credibility in what they're trying to teach me. If you don't have competence, right, you might know everything about the game of basketball, but can you like actually get out and shoot the hoop, right? Can you actually perform what you're talking about? And then the ability to have a candid conversation, like, are you going to help really grow me and teach me the things I need to know? Or are you going to blow smoke because you don't want to ruffle feathers? Yep. And, then, and then fifth is care, like how to truly care for individuals. And if you have, here's another insight, Jake, if you're a CEO or you're a business owner, and if you have a manager, a director, an administrator that has those five characteristics, showcase them. Showcase them to the employees. Blow up the characteristics and the ability, the mentorship of your leaders. Because I, I think too many people, like they go through orientation and they're like, hey, John's going to be your manager. And uh, yeah, he does a good job. So just listen to him and uh, do the work. What? Yeah. Like, like you just missed a great opportunity to showcase the credibility, the confidence, the mentorship of that leader. And too many CEOs and executives don't. We don't showcase the right and the, the ability that our managers, our leaders have to influence people. And it needs to be done more. I love that. I, I love that. And I think for those listening, if you haven't yet, go back to the December 31st episode we have with Maureen Monty, uh, who Clint, I want to connect you with offline. Maureen takes the strength finders assessments into team settings, smaller team settings. And, and she does a lot of things around helping elevate those people where their strengths are to yeah. be influential and why we should listen, why this person should do this, why. So they show pieces of what you've talked about with that, that I think could make our listeners just dangerous for lack of a better word, when they go into their workplace about what positive impact they can make on that culture. Shifting gears slightly as, as we kind of wrap up, we've been very career professional development type focus. But the way we build ourselves outside of work influences how we show up at work. And I know you kicked it off talking about you actually started your company on a mastermind trip. You were there building connections, relationships, your skills with others. Mentorships and masterminds are incredibly important in my life as well. I actually can notice when I'm out of them and I'm not actively doing them, how my growth, it slows. Like you just aren't pushed to that new level. Talk a little bit about the importance of having a personal board of mentors, of having these mentors in your life, because they're going to help you out of the office as much as they do inside of it. Yeah, dude. And again, it's all about perspective, right? Because those people that are truly mentors that have been down the path before you, they have the credibility, the competence, they will help you see further than you ever could on your own. My, my dad growing up, Jake, I, I was a wrestler and my dad was a state champion. Great wrestler was literally my coach throughout my whole wrestling career. So and, no pressure whatsoever. Yeah, dude. Yeah. It, <laughs> yeah. Not the most uh, wonderful time of my life. A lot of pressure. Uh, but dude, every night, every Friday night, my dad would take me to the varsity, the varsity wrestling matches. 
And from where I grew up, Wasatch High School, Kel Sanderson, Olympic gold medalist, one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. He's the coach of Penn State right now. Just a machine, dude. And I would watch every Friday night, this guy just toss other wrestlers around like rag dolls. And it got a little old, I'll be honest, because every Friday night, dude, for a young kid, like that's date night, right? Like that's yeah. with the homies. That's like chill, no school. It's the weekend. And I remember telling my dad, I was like, dad, why do we have to go? Like, I don't want to go on Friday nights and, and watch these, these guys. And my dad got really serious with me. And he said, do you want to be great? You want, you want to be a great wrestler? And I said, yeah. I said, I do. And he said, then you got to hang out by the mat. You have to hang out by the mat. And dude, it's like true of anything, right? If you want to be, get good at basketball, hang out by the hoop. Who you choose to associate with matters. And I think we should do whatever it takes to associate with astonishing people. If I've ever, like it's Sir Isaac Newton, dude, he, he said, if I've ever seen further in my life, it's because I was standing on the shoulders of giants that allowed me to see. And man, if there's somebody that's living and breathing and doing the things that you want to do in a way that you want to do it, you should do whatever it takes to associate with those people because that will, will make a better story. That will make you great. I love it. I love it. Well, and Jim Run says you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So if you, you hang out with a bunch of butter knife people, you're not going to be too sharp. So uh, I grew up on a farm. We'd always say, dude, if you put a hard to catch horse in a, a easy to, or a, excuse me, a hard to catch horse in a field with an easy to catch horse, you always ended up with two hard to catch horses, man. The association matters. It does. Yep. Absolutely. Well, man, Clint, this has been great today. I appreciate you having some time for us. Your book is out very soon. I love it here. Where can we pick up a copy? What is the official release date? Because I know we want to get pre-orders in now uh, so that we get one of the first copies out. Yeah, dude. So pre-orders are happening right now. You can jump on Amazon, pre-order the book, and the official release date is April 13th. Awesome. And man, get on there, get this book ordered. If you are in a leadership position, if you are working to be in that managerial leadership position in your team, whether it's a small business or a large organization, organization, you definitely want to check out this book. Clint, man, thanks for hanging out today. Dude, Jake, you're the man. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Compete Everyday Podcast. To listen to past episodes, be sure to check out podcast.competeeveryday.com. And to get in touch with the show, email us at podcast at competeeveryday.com. Everybody wants to win, but not everybody's willing to compete for that victory. Since you're one who will, show up today and win. We're cheering for you.